I believe in open communication and dialogue when possible, especially about family finances. In my personal family, Ellen and my daughters know the entire financial picture. I believe it is their business just as much as it is mine. And in my church family, I believe in the same pattern of behavior. That is, it is important to keep the St. Paul's family informed about our financial circumstances and our financial decisions from time to time. I find most folks really appreciate full disclosure about finance matters. Three bullets this morning. I will describe to you the financial status of St. Paul's here at the end of the third quarter of the year. Then I will tell you of the vestry's decision to rewrite the 2013 budget. And third, I will tell you of our commitment to continue teaching about the spiritual habit of generosity and giving. But before I say more, let me share with you one cute story about giving and generosity. It had to have taken place in an African-American congregation to get this kind of responsiveness with the preacher. I love the way African-American congregations do that with the amens and preach it brother and so on and so forth. Great encouragement for any preacher. And so it seems that there was a visiting preacher who was really getting the congregation moving. Near the end of his sermon, he said, I, I see this church really wants to walk. To which someone in the back yelled, let her walk, preacher. And the preacher said, I, I, in fact, I see this church really, really taking off. It's going to get up and run. And someone again yelled with gusto, let her run, preacher. So he, feeling the emotions building among the congregation, the preacher then said in an even louder voice, yes, yes, I see this church flying high. Once again, with an even greater gusto, someone yelled, let her fly, preacher, let her fly. The preacher then seized the moment in speaking on a rising crescendo. If this church is really going to fly, it's going to need you to reach down into your pocket and give money. And someone in the back yelled, let her walk, preacher, let her walk. I believe the clearest way to speak to you this morning and give you the facts is simply to use a portion of the Sunday news that you have in your hands. That will give you the sermon notes right there before you and something you can even take home with you. And it begins in title. Here is a end of the third quarter update. Personally, I enjoy life between the bases rather than being safe on second. How about a steal to third? Can you beat the throw? If not, can you get safely back to second? Ah, this is living life between the bases. After all, the point of baseball is to score runs, not simply to be stuck on a base. In 2013, back at the beginning of the year, the vestry leadership chose life between the bases for our community. We took hold of a vision to impact hearts, homes, and neighbors with our hearts, hands, and helps. We let the budget conformed to the vision rather than conforming the vision to the budget. Granted, this meant a big stretch for our community. It meant a 15% increase in anticipated giving in only one year. We stepped out in faith and with the following rationale to justify our decision that the local economy was vastly improving, that three-year bringing it home building fund pledges culminated at the end of 2012 and most significant of all vision 2013 was compelling and attractive and had the power potentially to generate correspondingly new and additional financial support 
Well, we're now at the end of the third quarter, and it has not played out in the way that we have prayed for or wished for. While we are impacting the world for Jesus in lots of wonderful ways, while our Sunday attendance of 2012 and 2013 continues to be higher than any other years, our giving in 2013 year-to-date is actually less than our giving in 2012. So as we enter the fourth quarter, the vestry leaders have taken a step back towards second base. We approved the following at our September vestry meeting, meeting only a week or two ago. We will replace none of the staff that we said goodbye to during the year, notably Brady, our administrative assistant, and our wonderful Heather Jackson, a member of this church family, our adult faith formation leader. We cut all ministry area budgets, youth, children, fellowship, music in Door Hall, music in the church building. We cut our outreach budget that's in the operating fund, and we cut our diocesan budget uh, commensurately with that as well. In total, we literally cut and reduced the budget by $75,900 for 2013 in order to give us a more realistic target to end the year positively. The revised budget is now officially in place. That doesn't come without loss. I could spell out the implications of that, but suffice it to say, a smaller staff has more to do with less financial resources, but we'll figure it out. And we've done that, and we've done what we believed at this stage was necessary, prudent, and financially responsible, the best we has. The rest will be up to all of us because the income side of the budget needs improvement as well. For this fourth quarter, we will need a significant outpouring of generosity to end our year positively. I simply ask that you consider doing your part. Some of you give 10% and more. Some of you give regularly and consistently, generously as you are able. Some give very little and some give zero. Truly, our giving patterns become a measure of spiritual maturity and growth in the Lord. And for all of our sakes, Tyler and John and I will continue to teach on generosity in giving as a spiritual health issue. May we all have ears to hear and find our hearts newly convicted regarding first fruits giving, percentage giving, even 10 percenting. Who knows? I expect down the road this family will decide again to do a big financial stretch for a big godly cause. And next time we'll succeed because of the increasing spiritual maturity of our people. We'll get there. We tried and we discovered we are not there yet. But let us press on, which is what Paul says and what I've included at the end of that Sunday news uh, uh, commentary. Uh, Paul, um, I have not already obtained all this. Who have already been made perfect, spiritually mature, whole, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And can we see what the lessons today also have to say about this? Paul instructs his young protege, Timothy. He's telling Timothy how to preach and how to teach to those put in his charge. And Paul says to Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. 
He gives five commands. Actually, that was only the first one. He says further, command them to do good. Command them to be rich in good deeds. Command them to be generous and willing to share the fifth. And Paul says, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. How we live, Paul is saying to Timothy to say to others, has eternal implications. We heard that last week too. And Jesus teaches with a parable about insensitivity to the needs of others and the long-term, even eternal implications of faithlessness combined with callousness and thoughtlessness regarding the needs of others. In fact, really, lack of concern for the needs of others it seems to say, is the same side of the coin as faithlessness. Habakkuk, one of our minor prophets, we may have heard if you were in a life group last week, the righteous will live. He means truly live by faith, by faithfulness. And of course, that very heavy, heavy story that Jesus tells as a parable about uh, Lazarus and the rich man. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, lived in luxury. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, whom he totally ignored. And the time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and he suffers the consequences of his faithlessness, which was evident in his hardness and indifference and callousness towards others. And so he finds himself in quite a hot spot, doesn't he? Hell itself. Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. He says, no go. He says, well, send him to the others back home, my five brothers, and tell them and let them learn and Um, Abraham says they have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they've already been told. They simply do not listen. He says, no, but if someone were to rise from the dead or come from the dead, comes to them, they will have a change of heart. They will repent. And Jesus says, foretelling his own future plans in life, and says to them, even if if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Well, that's a slam dunk by Jesus. That's a runner on third base bowling into the catcher on his way home. That is Jesus in your face challenging us to stop thinking only about ourselves. Begin thinking about the needs of others. We're all in some degree of graduation, of process in that, of that moving from self-centeredness to other-centeredness. And he's saying that's a very important process. That's a very important journey. In other words, do something for others. The Lamb Institute in Honduras, St. Jacques Boisbrulé, Haiti, the Salvation Army here on our campus, the Free Medical Clinic, Mobile Meals, Impact Ministries, Food Distribution, the Tea Room and Gift Shop, these are all in place among us to put opportunities right before us. And when it is all said and done, And when you decide to become a first fruits benefactor, pay God first, in other words, from each paycheck, there remains a consistent, singular promise from the Bible. 
It shows up here, there, and everywhere. In Proverbs, it, it goes like this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Or Malachi 3.10, the last book of the Old Testament. Bring the whole 10% into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Test and see this theory does not work and turn, to be, turn out to be reality. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you will not have enough room for it. Jesus tackles this as well when he teaches Luke, the sixth chapter, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and brimming over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Indeed, the words of Paul at the end of that Sunday news piece that's in your hands are a covering of this whole topic. One thing I do, Paul writes, hear the passion in that, hear the heartfelt commitment and conviction. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Don't let this opportunity to reform your financial habits pass you by. Today is a day to make a new decision. Make it count. Amen. And let us stand for the peace.